that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice with a bonus Saturday podcast. It's the outside receivers. We cut off the slot receivers and put them with tight ends for another podcast. But this is the X and the Z. Julian Fleming, Chris Olave, G. Scott, Jamison Williams, Jalen Harris, guys like that. That's what we're talking about. The next position group breakdown. We're working our way through the Ohio State roster. That's our plan. This is fun. We don't know what's going to happen with the season, but it's still worth doing this. So Nathan, Steven, and... I are taking care of this, but I wanted to clear something up very quickly from the uh, the Friday podcast where we, Nathan and I, talked about the Big Ten move to go to conference-only games. Listen, it got a little heated at times, and I, I, I can get a little hot on this podcast. You guys know that. But there is there is something that I just wanted to make clear um, because I don't, I don't want people to mischaracterize where I'm coming from on this, and I, I misstated something, and I apologize for that. And again, I, I understand I just sometimes in the moment I get a little fired up. So I just wanted to say that my family and I did not feed terrible pizza to a one-footed goose. We ate terrible pizza near a one-footed goose. I thought perhaps my family had given some of the pizza to the goose, but they did not. So we are not force-feeding injured wildlife, awful pizza. And I just wanted you to know that. So that was a mischaracterization by me. I apologize to my family and good luck to that goose. So here we go. We appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your life. This is a bonus Saturday podcast because just we had so much happening and we have stuff lined up for you. So here we go. This is Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. All right, time to preview the outside receivers positions, uh, position group here on Buckeye Talk. And, guys, I, I, I tried to break this up so we're not talking about the slot. We're going to talk about um, just the outside receivers. Is, is that stupid? If receivers are famous. Steven likes receivers. I'm trying to, like, give, you know, the high-profile guys a little more room to breathe. Um, you know, if we lump, uh, you know, all the offensive linemen or all the – linebackers together that's kind of a different deal man these are the superstars do we have enough to talk about if we're just talking about the two outside receiver spots nate uh steven steven you start with the receivers because you know they're famous yeah yeah we do i think we've obviously we'll talk about slot eventually but it's for what we know to this point it's that's garrett wilson's spot so it's it's more interesting to talk about who is going to be on the other side of garrett wilson right now because we haven't discussed that nearly as much so yeah when you want to give, you know, the famous divas a little bit more room to breathe, you split them up and give them two podcasts instead of just one. Nathan, you all right with this? Yeah. I, it obviously makes more sense today to merge all the receivers together than it did a couple years ago as far as Ohio State football. But I think there's enough interest in those two positions separately that it, it complicates matters, I think, if you lump them all together. So I like the idea of attacking just the outside. Plus, I mean, we got to do five of these a week. We can we could do X one week, Z one week. We can split this up as much as we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's just a there's a lot of interesting names in this group. So the guys, so the the roster as it stands now, again, the outside receiver spots, not the slot, the X and the Z, as Nathan said. We've got Jalen Harris, Elijah Gardner, and Chris Olave as juniors. That's three. We've got Cameron Babb as a redshirt sophomore, and Jamison Williams as a sophomore. And, again, we're not including Garrett Wilson, C.J. Saunders, or Jackson Smith-Najigba in this conversation because they're in the slot. So that's Cameron Babb and Jamison Williams makes five. 
And then you have two of the true freshmen, Julian Fleming and G. Scott Jr. So that's makes seven. That's who we're dealing with that we're getting ready to talk about. But who also are some of these guys that, Stephen, we're talking about the people who they're going to be adding in the 2021 recruiting class. They continue to go after receivers. Who else is part of the future on the outside in this position? Yeah, they've, they've got two guys who are in the top 90 as well in the, cl- in the class. Marvin Harrison Jr. at St. Joseph's Prep High School in, in Pennsylvania, same high school as their five-star quarterback commit Kyle McCord. But then also Jaden ba- Ballard out of their own backyard at Massillon High School, Massillon Washington High School, number 49 player in the country, a four-star guy, while Marvin Harrison is a you know, four-star guy, number 89 player in the country. And then they could also add a Mecca Ibuka to the class at some point, the number one wide receiver in the country and a top 10 player. So, Nathan, that part of this, are you surprised, Nathan, that they've been able to keep adding receivers like that? That, you know, again, when you're, you're talking about the outside and p- potential battles at the position, you know, Jamison Williams even was like a really highly recruited guy. Um, and Cameron Babs had some injury issues, but then you have Julian Fleming and G Scott, and now you're, you're adding two more guys outside right behind them. And again, guys could change down the road. I don't know that anyone was projecting Garrett Wilson in the slot when he got here, but wouldn't you expect at some point the numbers are going to work against them and it's going to be hard to recruit guys year after year after year when you're trying to stack guys at one position. I think there probably is a critical mass at some point where you probably do block yourself from getting someone. Um, maybe not from being able to recruit any receiver in that class, but if you are a, a really elite guy and there's a place that you can see can really carve out a huge role for you right away, and Ohio State probably can't really say that uh, here in the next couple of years to even some of the best receivers in the country, I could see that influencing at the same time I don't know that I'm that surprised that they've been able to pile guys up number one I think there is there does seem to be that Brian Hartline has kind of that thing that kind of special recruiting thing that might set him apart and there's all sorts of reasons why that might be true but the the early results would indicate that and I think on top of that Ohio State's a place that's demonstrated that it will rotate guys it will get a lot of reps for a lot of different receivers and I think the 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 professional proof is also there. I mean, whether you're talking Michael Thomas, whether you're talking Paris Campbell, whether you're talking um, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Um, all those guys, like it, it's happening for all the, for the guys that come through this program right now, even guys last year who didn't put up spectacular numbers kind of, you know, more or less. And I don't mean this pejoratively, but kind of just average good college football seniors. Those guys get NFL opportunities as free agents, even things like that. Like you can, you can plausibly sell at Ohio state. You can plausibly sell yourself as like an internship for the NFL. So uh, all those things combined, I I understand why they're able to still bring it in kind of a glut of talent at that position. And they're bringing in the quarterbacks, they're bringing in the quarterbacks, which is maybe almost the most important thing in some ways. That's the most important thing here. And Garrett Wilson kind of spoke to that when he, when I think you guys talked to him at the, at National Signing Day when he first got on campus, the fact that Ryan Day had told him that the passing game was headed in this direction. And then later on in that season, he said, I don't know if I would have been here if it hadn't, have, if that hadn't have happened. The 2018, that type of style of play hadn't have happened. He's not sure if he'd be here. And I think if you speak to most of these top 100 receivers, that's the case. Steven, do you think, I, I think the rotation at receiver and that they're playing six guys legitimately, at least five, Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't rotate as much in the slot last year, but they did rotate on the outside. They certainly have shown they'll do that. It It is different, right? That if you're, you know, you don't have to be 
one of the two or three best receivers to get on the field. On the other hand, if you are one of the two or three best receivers, you're not going to have necessarily the numbers that guys, that top guys at other programs have because you're just going to rotate off the field. And that's not, it's not like every program in the country does that. You know, I, I didn't, I don't know exactly what happened at Minnesota last year, but Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman were the two leading receivers in the big 10. I don't think they left the field very much. So that's different at Ohio State. Steven, do you think, as it affects recruiting, do you think the rotation is a positive in getting guys here? Because, hey, more guys will play. Is it a negative? Because, like, hey, you won't be able to put up huge individual numbers. Or is it just, you know, it's a little bit of both and it's just part of what Ohio State does? It's a little bit of both because because you play six guys. As a true freshman, you can come in here and possibly get on the field. And that's what this boils down to, getting on the field as quickly as possible and getting as much film for you to get to that next level. But all the trade-off, it's almost as if the trade-off is because you're playing with so much talent, you know, you, your numbers are never going to necessarily mirror what your skill level is when you are maybe the best receiver in the world. Which is right. why if any, if any of these guys end up being first-round draft picks, the numbers won't show it, but the film will. Yeah, Michael Thomas, and this was kind of before – well, no, they were kind of rotating still. But it's like Michael Thomas didn't yeah. get to the NFL based on numbers. He got yeah. to the NFL based on film. And they, yeah, he which is their selling point. Higher. Yeah, and that's probably their selling point. You know, look at what Michael Thomas is doing, and he didn't get the ball that much. And he was playing an offense that didn't necessarily emphasize the passing game. It, it makes me curious maybe for like a recruiting story by us, like on that concept of – because you can't – you know, playing time is an issue and numbers are an issue. That's the kind of stuff that comes up in college. Kids are smart. They know what the – I mean, it comes up in recruiting. They know what the deal is. So the idea of recruiting to – Winning and development and trying to downplay maybe um, raw numbers mm -hmm. and accumulated snaps, right? Like just the different strategies there. Because, again, I'm, I mean, maybe it's not that interesting because I'm sure Ohio State would say like, hey, we want kids who want to compete and we want winners and we want guys who want to work with the best and all that stuff. But, you know, like it's cool to have 1,200 yards receiving, you know? Like that's an actual thing. I don't I, – I, I must imagine um, that – other schools recruiting similar guys, it might be a, a, a different strategy because they do, they would have other things, Stephen, that they, they could offer from the playing time and number standpoint that just might be a little more enticing than Ohio State. I, I'm a little curious about what those, yeah. how you go about that strategy. Especially when, you know, a lot of, if you look at the 2022 class, they're down in Big 12 territory for a lot of these guys who, you know, there's Oklahoma right there. You see what CD Lamb was able to do as he, he was clearly their best receiver. And his numbers showed it. And you know, does that matter? Does that, you know, path matter more than, you know, this path of what Ohio State where you're in a room full of talent? While C.D. Lamb clearly got both best of both worlds, his film shows it, but his numbers also show it. There are some places like Ohio State where that's not the case. And does that matter if you're still competing for a national championship? All right. So will the group be better this season or was it better last season? When we look at last year's numbers for the outside receivers, Chris Olave was the ninth leading receiver in the Big Ten in terms of yardage with 849 yards. He had 49 catches for 849. K.J. Hill was in the slot. He was 15th. We're not talking slot. Ben Victor was 22nd in yardage in the Big Ten, 34 catches for 545. Garrett Wilson was 29th in the Big Ten, 30 catches for 432. Austin Mack was 36th in the Big Ten, 27 catches for 361. So, 
those were the four outside receivers that played last year. Chris Olave, Ben Victor, Austin Mack, Garrett Wilson. Austin Mack and Ben Victor are gone. Garrett Wilson is now in the slot. So Chris Olave is the only returning guy out there. We listed all the other guys that will factor into this. Nathan, better this year, better last year? Better this year. I think just the top-end potential is still higher. I know that they're probably giving away a little bit in terms of reliability. Um, I think players like Austin Mack, Ben Victor, maybe got a little bit underrated at times, partially because you had this great rush of talent that was going to be pouring in behind them. You still got a lave there to kind of anchor things on the outside. And then you start putting some guys with really interesting upside from an athleticism point, from a skill standpoint. And I think over the course of a season, they get to kind of grow along with uh, obviously a pretty talented quarterback. So even taking away what will probably be happening in the slot this year, which, which makes the whole receiver group dynamic. I think even still on the outside, I think there is a, a potential for higher production this season. Steven. Better. And it's not even close. The ceiling is so much higher than it was last season. While this is, you know, I, I think this was the best we were going to get from this group last in 2019 with what Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack showed us throughout their careers. Yeah. I mean, I, part of me wonders, I mean, just cause you get, you get a little, uh, you know, I don't know, against the grain sometimes. And you think, are we all looking at this the same way? Are we all looking at it the wrong way? Um, and somehow did we take Ben Victor and Austin Mack for granted? Did we underrate them somehow? But, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think it, I think it could be pretty, obvious and not necessarily again i think all our discussions for the 2020 buckeyes there's a numbers discussion but then there's just the the level of play discussion and i just think they might be more dangerous they might be they might put more fear in defenses snap to snap um and the combine showed us that a little bit too uh, to, not to put too much stock in it but in 2018 when we thought that was a pretty good receiver room then they went to the combine and they lit it up this group didn't do that. Yeah, you wrote about that sort of those guys, Nathan. But you know, when they were at the combine before they had run their drills and stuff, they were talking about, "Hey, we're gonna do what Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell did at the combine last year." And then, like, it just it just didn't happen. They were just not just in in terms of testing numbers and and pure athleticism and and explosiveness and speed, just not the same level, right? Well, I, I think the better way to phrase that was they were all they were having this internal debate about who was going to run the fastest 40 um, as if, you know, who's going to be the one who who's really going to impress here. And it, as as it turned out, they all just kind of ran the same average 40. It was I don't think it was so much. I don't know that they necessarily I think they wanted to come out, obviously, and blow blow away people and, and do what last year's group did. I don't know that they were necessarily uh, marking it down, as as we say. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Terry McLaurin was a guy who didn't put up huge numbers his whole Ohio State career, um, partly by opportunity, partly by, I think, his development, partly by the quarterbacks and the scheme he played in at times. Um, but he went, he was a third round pick in 2019. And by the time he got there and he went to, the, you know, did his interviews and did the combine stuff, it was like, okay, this guy. And then he was arguably the best rookie receiver in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a third round pick. Ben Victor and Austin Mack didn't get picked. And and even K.J. Hill, again, who's a slot guy, didn't go until much later than we expected. He didn't go until the seventh round. So I just think that the NFL doesn't lie to you about that stuff. Now, I mean, like, 
specifically they can be wrong, right? I mean, Michael Thomas should have been a first-round pick. But Victor and Mac not being drafted is just – they were just a cut below um, some of the guys they had here before. And, Stephen, like, you know, I'm pretty sure – and this is a crazy – you know, like, we know Chris Olave is going to get drafted pretty high. I probably think, like, Julian Fleming and G. Scott and even, like, Williams are going to get – drafted somewhere when it's their yeah. turn, right? Yeah, like some of these guys are gonna could possibly be first round draft picks, especially if there's a wide receiver class, anything like what we had this year, for sure. Yeah. I don't think there's of these younger guys, we're gonna be worrying about whether or not they're gonna get drafted or not. They're probably gonna be first and second day guys. So it's just a it's just a again, it's just reality. It's just the reality of the talent situation. We're all agreed that they'll be better in 2020 than they were, than they were in 2019. Will they be better in 2020 or in 2021? This season or next season, Nathan? And the main thing there, obviously, is the idea of losing Chris Olave. Everybody else that matters should be back. But Chris Olave definitely t- could turn pro. Better 2020 or 21, Nathan? Yeah, I'm going to lean. I'm, I'm still. I'm going to say 21 under the assumption that he returns. If he, if he returns, it's no question. 2021 will be better because you'll, you'll have that. The whole group plus a year of experience plus a year of growth, a year of maturity. And I think I, I'm tempted to say even if Olave is gone, that's still going to be true, right? You're going to have that whole what's now a freshman group. Jameson Williams as a going into his third year. Then the two freshmen coming in after that, it might be 2021 regardless. Steven. I think when you think about receivers, you also have to, you know, factor in quarterback play. So that, that would lead me to think 2020. Oh, that's interesting. That's fair. Yeah. 20, and you're right, Nathan, and you are right. This baseball, even if Chris Olave leaves, everybody else in the room has an extra year of experience, which makes up for that. But because they're so connected as position groups, wide receivers can't do anything without a good quarterback. So, we just know it's too much in the air. While this year, we know they have a top five draft pick at quarterback. I mean, part of that, and there was always a debate sort of in that 15, 16, 17 run before Dwayne, and then Dwayne helped show it a little bit. I, it was like, is JT Barrett kind of just the fact that he's a really good, again, we don't have to relitigate JT Barrett. He was good at what he was good at, and he wasn't quite as good at some other things. Were Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon and Terry McLaurin and that group of receivers, were they just kind of okay and and they were maybe holding JT back a little bit? Or was JT just kind of okay and holding them back a little bit? And I had a hard time wrapping my head around it sometimes because those guys played for so long. Um, I think it was both at times. I think all those guys took a while to develop, maybe because of the quarterback play. But, you know, as we've been saying, Stephen, part of the issue is statistically, will they be better statistically? And I just read stats on Ben Victor and Austin Mack. I mean, stats matter. You have to use stats, at least as part of your argument. You know, it it is possible that I think my answer might be 21. I don't think Chris Olave will be back, but I think it's possible. And this is a wrinkle. This is an unfair wrinkle to throw in. A, I think it's possible that like Julian Fleming and G. Scott on the outside as guys who are having their development affected by the absence of spring football and the absence of some other workouts this year, they just might take a humongous leap from year one to year two. And we're talking about Julian Fleming, the number one recruit 
receiver recruit in the country and G Scott, another top 100 recruit. So I think the difference between their freshman years and sophomore years might be gigantic. And then here's the unfair wrinkle. Ryan Day likes Garrett Wilson's skills in the slot, right? And I believe him when he says that. Kind of like Sean Wade. Yeah. Part of what we were saying when we were trying to figure out this receiver rotation when they're losing, losing K.J. Hill was like, well, if they play Mookie Cooper and Jalen Gill in the slot, then they have all these guys on the outside. And I think at least some component of moving Garrett Wilson to the slot was we got to get our best guys on the field. I could see a possibility where when Olave goes, if and when Olave goes, and now Mookie Cooper and Jackson Smith and the Jigba both have a year of experience, and maybe you want to show Garrett Wilson off and his versatility. It's kind of like the Sean Wade, but of receivers. You take him out of the slot. So he was outside as a freshman. He goes in the slot as a sophomore. He comes back outside in year three, and now maybe your outside receivers are like, Wilson, Fleming, Scott, and Jamison Williams, and your two slot receivers are Jackson Smith and Jigba and Mookie Cooper, now that they're both your two guys. And now all of a sudden, Garrett Wilson is contributing on the outside. And so that's a, that's a, I can't have my whole answer hinge on that because, again, we're, we're sort of fake breaking these, this receiver position up into two groups. But I just think the developmental possibilities – for these young receivers who are being delayed right now, there could be an explosive leap for that four-person group between freshman and sophomore. So I am going to say, even though it's crazy to think about losing Chris Olave, it's what Ohio State does. I'm going to say I think they could be better in 21. I, I would say that would be my bet. They will be even better in 21. Now, will their numbers be as good? Maybe not. But just watching them play and the plays they do make, the catches they do make, the, the things they do to defensive backs, I think it might be next level, even if the quarterback thrown to them isn't Justin Fields. Could we, in 20, for the sake of since we're talking 21-20, we see NFL teams do it and some college teams do it with their best receiver, just kind of move him all over the place. Could that be the case with Garrett in 2021, where he's seen action as an outside and, and a slot guy, and so in year three, he's just all over the field wherever they want to get him the ball at? Yes, and I think, to Nathan's point, the distinction between the slot position and the two outside spots is probably is diminishing in Ryan yeah. Day's offense compared to what it was in Urban Meyer's offense. You know, you look at the Browns last year. Odell moved all over the place. Jarvis mm -hmm. moves around. They do play it to matchups. And so maybe, you know, we saw Austin Mack play some slot last year. But when we saw Austin Mack play some slot, it was kind of like a big deal because, like, hey, that's quite a different position. And it is. They are different positions, just like the linebacker spots are different positions. But, yeah, I think you could see that, that we don't have – you know, maybe it's like, well, Mookie Cooper, he only plays in the slot. And G. Scott, he only plays outside, for instance, in 21. Yeah, but, but those guys Wilson, who are six foot and six one and can kind of move around. And once they have the offense down, right? That was the thing with Austin Mack by year four. It wasn't a big deal for him to know every receiver spot and slide into the slot for a couple snaps. By year three, with how much he's going to have played in his first two years, Garrett Wilson will know this offense inside and out. And that idea that, like, you put Garrett Wilson on the field and you have no idea where he's going. And you don't know whether he's going to be matched up on the slot corner or a safety trying to cover him in the slot or, God forbid, a linebacker. Or if you're putting him outside, is he Z, is he X? Do you know where to double him? You don't know. That's kind of like what Odell is 
for the Browns yeah. offense. You don't know where he's going. Sometimes he's on a side by himself. Sometimes he and he and Jarvis are outside together on the same side. Sometimes Odell's in the slot. I think that's a very good point, Stephen. And then again, we might be at the point where trying to divide up this receiver group is nonsensical because they're just receivers. But that's another reason why maybe if you think that way, I would vote for 21 because it's just like Garrett yeah. Wilson monster season is everywhere, everywhere. So I think that I, I think you can on see the by table. the end of this season. I think you can see you by the what? end of this season more of that role. I agree, and I think I think some people would dispute my jumping jacks over him being in the slot, and they think that that's that it's more going to be like what we're talking about for 21. It's already going to be more like that in 20, and that like whatever Garrett Wilson's going to be on the field a lot. But again, the in the end. The idea is, can you get your three best receivers on the field together without someone saying, well, we can't play them together because we need somebody to play this position, right? That's all it's about. So in the end, whether it's 20 or 21, in 2020, can you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Julian Fleming on the field at the same time? Yeah. In 2021, can you have Julian Fleming, G. Scott, and Garrett Wilson on the field at the same time? Yeah. Right, so it's that flexibility. However, you do it, I, and I agree, Nathan. I think I think this could morph into a lot more flexibility sooner rather than later. It might not just be 21. Next, the biggest strength. What is the greatest strength of these outside receivers, Stephen? We'll start with you. Ooh, maybe. Yeah, man, that's that's a. Well, I mean, I think the obvious one, I'm not sure, like, the options, depth, that, like, we yeah. don't exactly know who's going to play. That, like, if you think, okay, well, Chris Olave is for sure going to be the best outside receiver. And then the second best outside receiver is either going to be Jamison Williams, who's been around and might be ready to explode, or the best freshman receiver in the country, or, like, the fourth best freshman receiver in the country. That those are your four most likely options at the on the outside, and then you have guys like, Cameron Babb floating around, or you have, I mean, yeah. Jalen Harris. Like, that's uh, my I would say answer. versus – mine would be yeah, – if yours is going to be death, I'd say versatility because that's a lot of different types of wide receiver, just builds. Like, Jalen Harris is a taller wide, a taller guy. Jamison Williams also, obviously, as we all know, is kind of the speedster of the group. You know, G. Scott looks like he's a professional athlete already just from his build and kind of his demeanor and everything. Chris Olave seems to be able to catch everything. It's a, a wide variety of different skill sets that you have on the outside. So, Nathan, we kind of took those two. I mean, are you on the same wavelength, Nathan, well, or did you have something different? A little bit. Maybe mine is sort of a combination. I, I, I struggle with how to term this, but I just came up with upside. I, I think it's – I think the biggest strength of this group is how dangerous they could be at all – at both positions, and I guess all three positions in the long run, it's if you're talking about a lot of – a big workload for Wilson than the slot. That – it's not just that you have to respect Ohio State's receivers that potentially by the end of this season, if some of these guys start to really take big strides toward their ceiling or, or really make big progressions in their development. And again, that's very up in the air because of everything that's going on right now. Um, and we don't know how that's uh, retarded that development right now. But if, if, if that starts happening, then you start talking about Ohio State's receivers not just being productive and not just being people that you have to feel like you have to, quote, cover everybody in the field, whatever. Now you start talking about Justin Fields has dangerous options constantly on the field at those two outside spots. And I think that starts to allow him to do some really, really interesting things. 
I mean, it's it's interesting to think about think about just like we've been lumping these four freshmen receivers together, obviously. Um, and again, for this discussion, we're we're counting Jackson Smith and the Jigba and Mookie Cooper for a slot receiver discussion when we're lumping those in with tight ends on a different pod. But these four guys. It's like you don't want to th- – it's, it's funny. And, I, and I've been doing this for 15 years, and I still, I still do it. I think we all do it, which is like the, why people love recruiting and that kind of thing. They're not all going to be All-Americans, these four guys, right? They're not – all four of them are not going to be the four – end up being the four leading receivers in Ohio State history. Somebody's going to emerge as like the best of the group. Other guys are going to be pretty good, and there's uh, if you go by history, there's there'll be somebody who just doesn't quite live up to it because of injury, because of circumstance, just because of development, or just whatever. It just doesn't happen. And so um, the way we think about them and talk about them right now is just like there's so many awesome guys. What are they going to do? And it's like, well, the reason you bring in more than one is because then if one guy doesn't quite pan out, you have other options. So. It's funny to me to sit here and think like three years from now, it'll be like, oh, yeah, the you know blank of the 2020 receiver class wasn't quite as good as we thought he was going to be. And so we, with like depth, versatility, and upside is all there, but it's not going to be a 100% hit rate, especially not this year, but even for their full careers. And just right now, like we are, fans are, everybody is, we're all in on this four man group. And it's just a reminder of like, that's not, that's not how it works. Biggest question mark, biggest question mark about this, these outside receivers as a whole, Nathan, what's yours? Hold on. I got to refer to my notes. (laughs) Um, It's just the freshman situation. Will the freshman be ready? You know, we've talked about how much talent they have. We've talked, and it's been coming for, it seems like years now, obviously, I guess I've only been here a year, but people were already really excited about this group by the time I got here. And it's it, this this wave that, that's supposed to be coming in and what kind of impact can they make right away? And th- so that was already going to be a question, I think. And then the uncertainty of the spring and this whole offseason happens. So as, as I kind of referenced in my last question, did that disrupt their development in a significant way? Does it lessen their chances of being able to contribute not just from day one, but maybe – in a meaningful way throughout the 2020 season. I think they'll be in the rotation. I don't think it's going to be anything that completely knocks them off the field, but does it keep them back enough that they don't get those big reps early on, that it's something that they grow into over the course of a season? And does it reduce the number of guys that end up, maybe it's an opportunity for only one of them as opposed to two or three of them. Steve. My, my biggest question is, do they feel like they have to overly rely on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave early because these freshmen missed out on such a valuable spring? So as they kind of play catch up the first few weeks of the season, you know, do Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson's numbers look ridiculous because, you know, Justin Fields just looks out there and goes, I have to rely on these two guys because I'm not sure about the other guys quite yet. Did you see that, Nathan? It's the outside receiver discussion. We said we're saving Garrett Wilson from the slot discussion. And Steven can't help himself. I know. I'm sorry, Garrett. I rely on Chris Olave as, as an outside receiver. We're going to be doing, like, the defensive line discussion. And, and <laughs> gonna be like, you know who's good? That Garrett Wilson kid. Woof, I like that guy. Um, I think he's going to be in the Rushman package. Yeah, right. Uh, Coach Jay, just spitballing here. I think look. it could work, Garrett. I think it would help Garrett's All-American chances if he got a couple sacks. Um, my, I guess mine is about – and it's all related to this. I think it has to be, right? It's, it's, some, it's just – 
are the 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 strength of the question is the same thing. It's that there's so much potential, but you don't know what's going to happen, and because of the coronavirus, it amplifies the question. And so, mine, I guess, is will Jalen Harris factor in? Perhaps because, as we've talked about, yeah. the freshmen are a little behind, and then Jalen Harris as a redshirt junior, who again was a top 200 national recruit from the Cleveland area, just a really skilled, you know, guy in high school. Um, liked everything about him and it just hasn't happened, which happens for some guys at Ohio state just has not yet happened here. Um, certainly was a guy that I think a lot of people thought, well, would he maybe be a transfer candidate? He's still here. And is this an opportunity for him? Uh, is this his chance that Jalen Harris, and again, whether it's the whole year, whether it's early because some of the freshmen are slower coming along. Um, if the freshmen like are just not ready, if just this was too nuts and the freshmen just aren't ready, like Jalen Harris has to play. Because if you're talking about outside guys and like, you know, early on, you sort of like take the freshman, the true freshman off the board, then the outside options are Jamison Williams, Cameron Babb, Chris Olave, and Jalen Harris. And just, I don't, Elijah Gardner was a, a recruit in the 900s and was a late desperation ad. And I just don't think he's ever going to be a factor here. But those are the four guys who aren't true freshmen who have outside experience. So if you just sort of, you know, wipe away the first month for the freshmen, then Jalen Harris has to give you something or you're, or, or either that or like Chris Olave and Jamison Williams are going to have to play 90% of the snaps early on. And I don't, I don't think they would do that. So, um, all right. Crazy prediction or thought about this group of guys, crazy prediction or thought um, I'm curious to hear what Steven says, because I think I have sort of stolen my thought and prediction from something Steven has said previously. So Steven, we'll start with you. So if you and I are saying the same thing, it'll be clear that I am stealing from you. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I think the only thing you can feel comfortable with right now is that Chris Olave could be a thousand yard receiver in 2020. But he it's was crazy. Close and... Is that crazy? But it's got to be crazy. No. It's crazy. Crazy. You can still say it. You can say it. If you want to slap a number on it, so if you you want to you want to slap a number on Chris Olave's goodness. All right, yeah, he was at 840 yards last year and 12 touchdowns. So him getting 160 more yards and three more touchdowns—that's clearly the number one option, especially of these outside guys. Shouldn't be an issue for him. So at worst, Ohio State's going to have one 1,000-yard receiver next season. So if you look at uh, the the thousand-yard receivers. I was trying to look in the Big Ten. I mean, that's still that's still a big deal, you know. Like that's that's kind of you know that's not a thing. You just you can't assume it. There were four last year. Four man. I swear to God, there's a guy on here who who to me is this a real person's name? Again, continuing my tradition of knowing nothing about other Big Ten teams, the four Big Ten receivers last year who had a thousand receiving yards were Tyler Johnson and Rashard Bateman. I heard of them. David Bell at Purdue. I heard of him. And Wop Fillior yeah. from Indiana? Has anyone like, heard that name before right now? Of course. I well, mostly like because his name is Wop Fillior. Those names are more noticeable. I feel like he should be playing defense because the name Wop, after you get a big hit, just fits. Yeah. Just, an opportunity has been missed here. An opportunity has been missed for me to know what's happening in Big Ten football. I have never. I swear to God, I've never heard of him before. <laughs> and we saw him play in person. I guess I had my eyes closed. But I, I don't know. I was watching Jeffrey Okuda when Ohio State played defense and Indiana was on offense. Um, 
KJ Hamler only 904 yards last year. JD Spielman 898, Olave 849. Like it's hard to do. Nico Collins, Michigan's leading receiver, only had 729 last year. Man, okay. You have heard of him though, Nathan. You've yes. heard of him. I have heard of him. I've, I've written his name. I'm I'm familiar with his work. You've written his name? I'm sure I did in preview of um, previewing last year's game. All right. I apologize to the Phil, your family for not having a greater appreciation for his skills. So um, anyway, a thousand yards is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, we know in Ohio state history, it's, you know, thousand yard receivers. That's a big deal. But even in, in the modern big 10, um, nothing to sneeze at. All right, Nathan, your crazy prediction or thought. I don't know if this is crazy again, <clears throat> considering what we're talking about with the freshmen, but I think that James and Williams, might end up being the second most productive outside receiver behind Chris Olave. I think he was, it only seems crazy because I think he was a name that just kind of got shuffled in. And people talked about him last year as that guy, oh, can he show something late in the game when he gets those opportunities and, and something can flash. But, and, and it did, I guess, on a couple of occasions. But then really once the season ended, or maybe even on signing day, when they bring, when those four guys sign, it, it all became about, okay, what are Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and the four freshmen going to do next year? I feel like Williams got a little bit overlooked, and there's just the speed that he has, the the, the, the game-breaking, to use that cliche, ability that he showed at times and, and had showed as a, a, a prospect as well. It just leads me to believe that there's that, that's the guy that maybe sneaks up out of this group and surprises and takes a bigger role, especially, again, considering that the freshman may be a step behind where they expected them to be at this point. Now, the issue is I'm pretty sure in the past he has played primarily the same spot as Olave. So I, those are not completely interchangeable, but I would think that if they wanted to move him over to the X from the Z, that they could do that and you could see a role for him. It may end up that he splits more time with Olave. Even in that role, though, I, I could still see what I just said being the, being the case that, you know, Wilson probably is your, your reception's leader on this team if he is, ends up with all these slot snaps like we're expecting. And then on the outside, I think it could be Olave and Williams 1-2. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, it's good. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I think right. it's. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not so sure it's not probable. Again, just with everything we're saying about the freshman receivers, but I think that's a good prediction, and I, I think we all agree, Jamison Williams, for how skilled as he is, is just a guy in the mix. He, you know, he wasn't. He didn't do what Garrett Wilson did. He's not in this freshman class. He, you know. I don't think he is forgotten anymore because he's brought up so many times as saying, like, don't forget about him. But he's just a guy um, that is sitting there as like a top 100 national recruit ready to go nuts. So this is the this is the answer that I said uh, I stole from Stephen. I guess my crazy predictions thought is that G. Scott will be the most productive freshman receiver. And that is, you know, Julian Fleming was the number three overall player in the class of 2020 the number one receiver g scott again this is like oh he's underrated he's the number 65 overall player in his recruiting class and the number 10 receiver so those are the top two uh and actually jackson they're not the top two jackson smith the jigbo was higher than than g scott he was the number 28 player the number five receiver but again we're putting him in the slot we'll get to him on that podcast I just think the things we've said about g scott he he comes from a family that is around football a lot he trains with NFL guys. Julian Fleming is coming from a system in Pennsylvania where there were a run-heavy team that found a way, smartly and obviously, to throw the ball to the most talented high school receiver in the country. Um, but it's just, I just, G. Scott might just have a little more 
of a foundation coming in. And then when you strip away part of what Ohio State was going to teach these guys, um, then you you end up leaning more on what you knew before. So I, 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 that prediction is not tied to any kind of, you know, disappointment from Julian Fleming. I think it's more tied to like, hey, G. Scott might be ready to come in and like get on this thing pretty quick. Steven, I, I, I stole your idea, but. Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. Of these guys, if anybody is most well-equipped to deal with the fact that they haven't been on this campus developing under Brian Hartline or these freshmen, it's probably G. Scott because of what he just gets to go up against every day in, in Washington. Like you said, going up against NFL guys, he's, he's physically probably the most ready to play college football. But then also, you know, he just played in a system that's realistic to what Ohio States is like. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba coming from a system where he got the ball 15 times a game. He's never going to see that at Ohio State. Mookie didn't play last year, and Julian Fleming got the ball four times a game and usually scored three touchdowns. But still, that's a lot different than the type of system he's going to play in now. So, yeah, that's it's not crazy to think that in year one of these guys who's most ready to probably make an impact is G. Scott just based off of these outside factors. All right, the guy we most want to see play this season or in the future in this group. Nathan, who you got? And that include that. So it's, it's guys who are going to be on the roster in 2020. You know what? You know, it's, it's made up. Everything about all of this is made up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just so, want to make sure. So if you <laughs> want to say somebody, if you want to say a recruit, you can I, say a recruit. I, I had an answer. And then you said of this group, and I didn't know if we were including him in this group. I, I said, Marvin Harrison jr. I'm really intrigued. What the upside is on him he's gonna you know he's coming in with obviously a big name and and that can sometimes be a curse on guys in terms of expectations but he's also coming in um with a quarterback that he'll get to play with he's already familiar with and um and also these guys who are coming in now as we just talked about when you start piling up this talent you know (laughs) as much opportunity as there is there with the way ohio state rotates guys there's also a fight just to to get anything going here for the next couple of years, probably to get on the field at all, because there's going to be just so much talent in that room. So how does he separate himself? Can he separate himself? And what does that mean in terms of him reaching his, his, his uh, potential early on? All right. A vote for Marvin Harrison, Jr. Steven, who's your, who's your guy? I went with Jaden Ballard, and the reason why is Look he, at you he, guys. You guys are such recruit nicks. My God, we just talked about how they have the best young receivers in the country. And it's like, who do you guys want to see? And you're like, the guys in high school. <laughs> All right, Jaden Ballard. Why Jaden Ballard? He's similar to Kyle McCord. He's climbing his way up these recruiting rankings as well. He was 125 when he initially committed last summer, and now he's up to 49 in the country. Him and Marvin Harrison have almost flipped, flipped positions in the rankings as far as who's the higher – who's the high-ranked guy who's kind of, you know, falling off the trail a little bit here. And you know, 6'2", 175, he might actually be bigger than that, you know, by the time he gets on campus. And it's, I've seen some comparisons to maybe what Chris Olave, you know, is, has done at Ohio State. So I, I'm interested. He's kind of the forgotten guy amongst these top 90 players. I don't think we talk about him nearly as much as some of these other guys, especially with the Mike still on the board. Um, I'm, that, I'm just interested to see what he's able to do when he gets on campus. I got to say, man, I mean, I guys, I, I appreciate you know, going off the board and doing something a little different. But, you know, the answer could have been, I don't know, the number one receiver recruit in the country who's never played a snap yeah. of Ohio State football. He could have been an answer. Jamison Williams, who, like, might be the next Ted Ginn Jr., he could have been the answer. Cameron Babb, who was a top 100 national recruit and has battled injuries his whole career. Jalen Harris, who, like, could he emerge out of nowhere? There's lots of good answers on the roster. And my answer is Chris Olave. If Chris Olave 
helps lead Ohio State to a national championship. It will be a comeback story that people talk about as Ohio State fans 100 years from now. The guy who broke off the route the year before that created the game-ending interception in the playoff semifinal, who had this whole coronavirus time to think, to train, to work. If Chris Olave comes back like a man on fire and his play is a major contributing factor to a team that wins it all, he is a legend. The story writes itself. And he doesn't have to lead Ohio State to a national championship to like redeem himself because that's not fair. He's an amateur athlete. He was busting his butt. He's done nothing but exceed expectations and play at a high level since the moment they put him on the field. Um, Chris Olave does everything right. He broke off one route and it's going to be part of his legacy. But will it be part of the thing that drove him? You can hear the Tom Rinaldi, which I'm out of the Tom. Some of the Tom Rinaldi stuff is like, I get it. But you can hear it. You know, what does a route mean to a man? What does a step mean to a life? What does a second chance mean to a player? What does redemption mean to a team? Right? I mean, my God, Rinaldi's sitting in his house right now writing this stuff. I could write this stuff too. It's easy. It's there. I mean, like the thing, the way his season ended, the way his season ended is so opposite of everything he did. He was so good last year. Especially when you look at his introduction, his introduction to like the national limelight, which was the Michigan game when he scores two touchdowns. The year before, as a freshman, he, he, he ended 2018 at the top of the mountain, and it's almost on the exact opposite from how he ended 2019. So, like that story, I am very curious to see the ending of the Chris Olave story and how he writes this. I'm not as interested in how Tom Rinaldi writes it, but I'm interested in how Chris Olave writes it. So I want to see what happens because, you know, I don't think he's going to have like an average year. So I think the the questions are, does he have like a good year, a great year or a legendary year? And I'm curious to see if he can have a legendary year. And then the other part of it is he's look, I mean, if you do the mock drafts, right, the year, the drafts a year early, he is mocked as a first round pick. So I think this is probably it. Just with all these guys, I think you have to go into this as some, this season assuming this is it for Chris Olave, um, which, again, is just a meteoric rise from sort of a three-star, little bit of a under-recruited guy from San Diego who comes all the way to Ohio State and now does this. I am just super curious about the end of the Chris Olave story. I want to change my mind about the stats I put on Chris Olave. Um, oh. Because I don't think it's as ridiculous. What now, does this stat – mean to a legacy <laughs> so what you go 1900 yards what's your new no i'm i'm gonna i'm say i'm staying with a thousand but i'm also gonna say he breaks the single season t- um receptions record for touchdowns which is at 17 terry glenn in 1995 so that would be quite a thing yeah it's like he goes from 12 to 18 or more so <laughs> add six he breaks and all this stuff record. i mean especially if they in play- the michigan game if they he play 15, in the man, if they, in 12 games, that'd be quite a thing. Cause now he has yeah. three extra games potentially if they make the, the championship game to do it. In oh 15. no, I'm saying, he does, I'm saying he does it in the Michigan game. In 12, 18 because touchdowns in 12 games. Well, he's also because saying he's not? doing it in eight games. Cause that's what he predicted or nine well, games. That's Cause true. that's how many games yeah. he predicted. And that's, State would play. We, we, we're all gonna, right. I mean, like everything is with an asterisk, assuming yeah. a 12 game season, which we will continue to assume. Um, 
All right, final category. And again, we're going to add all these up at the end and find out where our confidence levels are. We'll have our confidence levels in the position groups. We'll send this out at the appropriate time to our tech subscribers and let everybody vote there on position group confidence level. If you want to be part of the tech subscribers and be part of stuff like that and get texts from us and get to contribute to the podcast and do surveys and give us questions, try it at 614-350-3315. You send a text there, you get signed up for a 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month after that. Confidence level one to 10, one is bad, 10 is awesome. Uh, I can't remember what I've done for other position groups. So, you know, just feel what you feel in the moment. Steven, what's your, your rating of these outside receivers? Seven and a half, and it would be higher had they had spring, but seven and a half. Nathan? I'm saying 7.0, and again, just because the spring makes me wonder exactly where the freshmen are. I'll say nine because I think Olave is going to be awesome. And then I think it's one of those things they do have the option of like, if some guys are slow coming along and there's just not other help there, you don't have to rotate or you can rotate less. So I think there will be somebody will emerge as a good number two option. So Lave's, if you really only need two to survive either Jamison Williams or Julian Fleming or G Scott or Cameron Babb or Jalen Harris, somebody I think will be good opposite Chris Olave, and I do think they'll have some level of depth. They, they, they are going to be able to play some guys, and I, I'm assuming they'll still rotate and play four outside guys like they did last year. But I think they, you have a sure thing in Olave, and then you have multiple options that can give you a good second guy, multiple options that can give you a good third guy, and still enough options that could give you a good fourth guy that I'm pretty sure they're going to be pretty good. And that's even saying I said they'll be better in 21. So I think in 21, I'm probably going to think they're a 10 out of 10. But I do think they're a nine right now. And again, I think we, we, we did all agree. We all agreed it'll be better than last year. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite curious, but uh, there's no lack of confidence in my curiosity, although I agree with what you guys said about the freshmen and will they be delayed or held back at all by what happened here. So, um, all right, that's our outside receiver breakdown. Uh, keep listening to our position group breakdowns here as part of our Buckeye Talk podcast. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the texts. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts. Just just, just be part of it. If you just want to have your ears be part of it, that's great. We love your ears. But we love the other parts of your body, too. We love your eyes. We love your fingers that type out the reviews and that, that lead you, that click, that click on the stories. We love the whole body of our Buckeye Talk listeners. So um, T-shirt slogan, we love your whole body, Buckeye Talk. So thanks to you guys for listening. Keep listening to the Position Group podcast. Podcasts For now, on behalf of Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.